everyone, and welcome to the New Media Show. My name is Todd Cochran. We're doing a special event here at the NAB Show. Rob, here we are at NAB Live. Yeah, it's exciting, Todd. We're back at the NAB after about three years of not having a, an NAB show to attend and, and bringing podcasting to the NAB. Is, it, it was always a lot of fun talking about uh, what's happening in the medium. There's a lot to catch up on, so I'm excited to be here. We've got some great guests. Yeah, for those of you who are not familiar, the New Media Show has been running about 10 years now. Rob and I are our co-hosts. Uh, we are actually from competing companies, so it's kind of an interesting mix, and we uh, talk about podcasting topics every week uh, at newmediashow.com. If you are a uh, podcast listener, please follow or subscribe to the show via your favorite podcast app. But uh, today we got some great guests. Rob, you want to yeah. introduce our guests? Well, Todd, we, we should probably share who we are, too. Sure. I'm sure there's a lot of people that are here that are hearing this that probably aren't familiar with who we are. My name is Rob Greenlee, and I'm the VP of Podcast Content and Partnerships at Lipson and AdvertiseCast. Been involved in the podcasting medium for about 18 years and um, have been coming to NAB for probably a half dozen years um, talking about podcasting. So we're excited to be here. But Todd, why don't you share who, who you are? Yeah, I'm Todd Cochran. I'm the CEO and founder of Blueberry Podcasting, which is a full-service podcasting company. I've had uh, a podcast, uh, was one of the OGs like Rob, but since uh, 2004. I do yeah. three different podcasts myself, including, well, this one included. But uh, yeah, so anyway, let's go and do our guest. Yeah. I'm excited to have on stage with us Dan Franks, who's the president and co-founder of Podcast Movement, which is a which is the world's largest podcast conference that uh, is happening here, coming up in Dallas in August. I'm sure he'll tell you more about that in a second. Uh, and I'm also joined on stage by Dan Rayburn, who's been an evangelist in the streaming media space for at least a couple decades now. Um, so he's the chair chairperson, chairman of the NAB Streaming Summit, which is going on here at the NAB as well. And so I'm really excited to have him with us because podcasting is kind of moving into the streaming media industry and there's a lot of blending going on between podcasting and streaming media right now, uh, especially as larger companies are getting involved in, in uh, podcasting. So um, guys, welcome. Thank Thanks you so much. Us. It's great to have you here. So Todd, did you want to start off with anything or... Do you want me to jump in? Well, I think, you know, NAB is about radio, broadcast, streaming. It's everything, right? And uh, podcasting has slowly gained a little bit of a presence here with mostly in sessions, but not a lot of podcast companies. So if you're not familiar with what podcasting is, Rob, what is a podcast? Well, it's an on-demand um, audio file that's it's been around since uh, 2004. Uh, and podcasting is, you know, and usually it's kind of unusual to even talk about podcasting like this because uh, so many people know about it now. It's not like the early days when we really had to explain, well, what's a podcast? So podcasting is really expanding, too, in its scope as well. Uh, I think it's thought of as content that's available on YouTube, too. I think it's content that's available on radio. It's available in uh, um, other media apps as well out there. So it's that's part of what I wanted to talk about today a little bit is is you know is the definition of a podcast changing and it's definitely maturing as well I mean I think after 18 years I think it's safe to say that it's not entirely a new medium um, but it certainly um, 
has has been evolving. But guys, I, I mean, Dan, Dan Franks, start off with you. Um, what's your perspective? I mean, you've been running podcast movement for many years now. How have you seen the podcast market change? Yeah, I mean, obviously, we, we look at things like a, like a serial bump, or we have these different bumps that happened throughout the history of podcasting that have led to more mainstream exposure, more mainstream awareness of what a podcast is. Um, so we've got all of those little bumps in the road, um, but I think more recently, and, and streaming has a big piece to do with it, and video has a big piece to do with it, is really fundamentally asking, making us ask ourselves that are in the space, like, is what a podcast is? Like, what is, is it changing? Like, for so long, like, we again, we had those little, you know, bumps and, and exposure points that brought more people into the industry, but they didn't necessarily potentially change what it is. So I think now we're facing that question of, like, okay, is a show on YouTube a podcast? Uh, you know, per the definition that you shared, it's not. But if you go out and ask consumers and, and listeners, they would say it is. So, like, conversations and questions like that are starting to come up, whereas even several years ago, they weren't being asked. Dan Rayburn, what's your thought uh, as you think about the streaming media industry and how it's evolved over the years and how podcasting has kind of been there as well? Are you seeing more overlap happening now? We are. I, I'd say I take a bit of a different approach in the sense that I don't really care about the definition, <laughs> yeah. right, to me. Yeah. So the way I look at podcasting is the way I look at streaming or any other service out there. Everybody's competing for our eyeballs and our time. We can only consume so much content in video or audio form. So whether it's audio or video, I think it's been blended for quite a few years now. The fact that a podcast now contains video or doesn't, to me, that doesn't change it from a being a podcast or not podcast. I do think podcasting has a lot to do with the syndication around it right. because that's how many people listen to my podcast. I don't put it on Twitter or LinkedIn before I do that. Just from RSS and subscription, people are already listening to it. Right. That doesn't really happen with video. So I just think of it as another format for consuming audio or video content. Yeah, so, so on the streaming media side, though, um, are you seeing podcasting become more of a factor there, and in what way? So to me, podcasting is a complement to streaming media services. So think of the last eight or nine podcasts that were traditional audio-only podcasts that were turned into series on Netflix or a documentary on Netflix or another streaming service. So... Some streaming services are looking at podcasts because it already has a following. It already has content. It's already very focused. It's a niche. Okay, well, we can take that and we can make video out of it and we already have a built-in audience. So that's really where I see the merger of the two. But if you think about what podcasting is, the number one thing I hear from people on my podcast is they listen to it in the car while they're working out, while they're in the yard doing something. You can't do that with streaming video as a general rule. So to me, that's really the big difference. You know, one thing is that I've seen, and we've been doing this show live for about 10 years, but the show's put out as an audio podcast, but it's also put out as a video podcast. And most people don't even know that exists because most folks, when they do live like this, they just put up on YouTube or Twitch or wherever their main streaming point is, Twitter, and they kind of let it go. And the video becomes kind of this artifact that lives in the normal social spaces. But... For those that are considering doing podcasts, just remember you can actually have a pure video podcast that's actually distributed the same way an audio one is. It's a little bit different way to do it, but we've been doing this show blended for many, many years. And primarily the reason was, was the interactivity. 
when you're doing a solo podcast and you're at your kitchen table or in your office or something, it gets kind of lonely sometimes. So the live aspect has allowed content creators to get instant feedback and it, it's kind of a motivating factor where you're not just by yourself or with a co-host cutting out a show. Yeah, because certainly this show is a uh, example of the blending between podcasting and streaming media. And it's it seems to reach a much larger potential audience to blend those two together. And I think we are seeing more of that with YouTube and, and, and things like that. Dan Franks, what's your thought about this blending with the streaming media side? Is there... Something I mean, there? yeah, I mean, I think there's something there and I think there's probably a lot of untapped potential with those um, with those streams. For instance, you guys have been streaming for 10 years and sometimes you do. I, I hear you taking questions for people on Facebook or YouTube. Um, but I mean, I think there's a potential to lean into that more, um, whether it's running, you know, polls during the live show or, or really kind of engaging and asking for feedback um, and kind of turning it into its own live show, like as opposed to a secondary thing. And I think there's a lot of podcasters right now who are putting their show on YouTube, whether it's live or whether it is just, you know, the, uh, the archival um, video from the podcast. Um, but I think there's probably a lot of opportunities now and new tools that are making it possible to make it a more interactive, um, you know, environment that, that could potentially grow audiences or just kind of deepen that audience, uh, that audience relationship. You know, in the, in the hardware and the software requirements to do live now is, is in, inconsequential. And there, you know, 10 years ago was not the case. I had to have literally tens of thousands of dollars of hardware to make it happen. So for someone that's considering doing live now, it's just, a, it's just another camera plugged into another output source. And it's just, it's just easy and with all the tools that are out there. But I think we want to move on and talk a little bit about the growth of podcasting and where we're at and what has happened with, you know, basically the corporations have figured out, hey, this is a cool medium. It's a great play to to connect with the consumers and or the, the corporate consumption or acquisitions of a podcast platform. So where are we at? Where do you think it is with that space? Uh, do you want to go? Dan? Yeah, I mean, we've, yeah, we, we've obviously seen some of the, the large companies that have been represented here at NAB for, for decades um, now become players in the podcast space, mostly through acquisitions and through, um, you know, kind of bringing uh, more legacy podcast networks and technologies and companies under their umbrellas. Um, so I, I, to me, it's an exciting thing. It's a maturation of the space. It's, um, you know, the more money coming into the space, which hopefully brings more, you know, ears and eyeballs to the space. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm excited for what's happening, excited for more representation here at shows like this to kind of make podcasting a part of that media landscape as opposed to just kind of something that's happening, you know, over in the corner. You know, from a historical standpoint, if we look back, and think about the space starting and largely being an indie creator space, more like YouTube is. Because um, I don't think YouTube is, well, YouTube's seen some of the corporate influx and you know big studios creating content, but the indies still make up a, core, a hardcore percentage, well, maybe 90% of the entire podcasting space. So I think at times, indies are starting to feel a little pressure because of the, the corporates coming in. But, I think anyone that's considering doing a podcast today, the beauty is there's no rules. You do what you want to do. You create what you want to create. It's, it's an open platform, and everyone can have a voice. And I think that's, for me, is the exciting part, too, is about the change of voices and faces that are, are doing content. Yeah, is there any comments? 
that you guys want to make well, on that? So there's a couple things I'm thinking. First, for the people that don't know, 2022 marks the 26th year that streaming media technology has existed. And we started with audio-only content for dial-up uh, in 9,600 kilobits a second. So I think a podcast in the sense of it's almost like the streaming media industry a while ago and podcasting has now grown up. Right, just streaming video has been around a lot longer, streaming audio and video, and it started with music. The music services grew really fast. I feel like podcasting is really now mature. Mm-hmm. It's really gotten to a point of where it's a legitimate distribution platform, but I think a lot of what still has to be figured out is what podcast works best, what is your business model if you have one, because in this industry with video or audio, we're always talking about monetization, and everybody thinks that's the driver, but for instance... I don't try and make money in my podcast. I don't want to make money. I use the podcast to promote the show and everything else that I do. It's just a distribution of marketing. But that's also an interesting angle because, and I I know you can talk to this a lot, is the sense that everybody now wants to do a podcast, but 99% of the podcasts out there are crap. Let's just call it what it is, right? And those people don't have a following and they don't use professional mics and everything else. So I think that's also interesting with podcasts is you have so many people that are doing it but aren't focusing on the quality, whereas with most streaming things, people are really focusing on that production value. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I would say a little bit of a counter to that that I think over the last two or three years, four years, we've seen a, a, a big um, upgrade of sorts, um, more of a kind of a professionalization of podcasting that is... Um, really addressing a lot of what Dan's points were is that many of the shows in the early days of the medium, I agree 100% were not quality productions, um, but we're seeing more and more because of the corporatization of podcasting and, and more serious players getting involved in the medium, a lot more money coming into the medium too, that people are taking content production a lot more seriously now, uh, even, even moving into fictional content, coming out of Hollywood more and more, uh, and a lot of that stuff's being converted into TV shows and being monetized through paid premium. I think the crossover between audiobooks and podcasting is really kind of reach, reaching its peak right now. So I think that um, a lot of your points are, are accurate. A lot of shows are not done very well out there. And that's why it's so important that platforms like Todd and I uh, and what Dan does too, and Dan can speak to this too, about education and helping new podcasters understand what's different about this medium and to uh, do it in a way that's gonna grow audience. And I think that's important. Dan, is there any thoughts? Yeah, some of the really exciting developments we've seen with this money coming into the space are more platforms that allow people to try out what a podcast is, to start a podcast for little or no money, both on the hardware standpoint with very inexpensive microphones or even iPhones with very uh, high quality, uh, relatively speaking, microphones on them but also platforms like Anchor and like Red Circle who rolled out, you know, free podcast hosting, like just dip your toes in the water. Um, so that is a very much a double-edged sword, though, because that's like, hey, anyone can podcast, but then to what you guys were just saying, maybe not everyone should be podcasting or maybe, you know, those hurdles that it took to uh, start a podcast and get it off the ground, you know, originally, those were hurdles that needed to be there to, to ask people to, hey, you do need to do your research about your hardware. You need to do your research about your software. And, you know, during that time, hopefully you're kind of crafting what your show is, planning what your show is, as, as opposed to just like, hey, this morning I'm going to decide I want to start a podcast and by tonight I'll have one live for anyone to listen to. So, you know, I, I constantly kind of think about that double-edged sword of like, you know, it's good that the accessibility is going up, but it's also kind of 
you know, diminishing, you know, what a podcast, you know, the podcast quality and things like that. If you, if you also look at the vendors and what they've done, a lot of the companies that are here that have created pro, professional gear for radio, for television, they've also recognized there's a market opportunity, Rode and their line of products, uh, Audio Technica coming out and actually creating a, a price line of products that are, are high quality and uh, are excellent production tools that consumers can afford. And, you know, again, if we go back to the beginning, that's, that was not existing. You had to have a traditional mixer, a traditional high-end mic. Today, you know, with USB microphones, Rodecaster, the ATR2200, those types of mics that, that have come out and, and devices, I think we've seen um, a significant increase in quality of content largely from that space. And, and even there's YouTubers that just use their iPhones, too, to create content. So... You know, it runs the gambit. But I don't think, you know, I don't necessarily always focus on worrying about quality. What I'm really focused on in the space is content creators just having an opportunity to create something, get their, their messaging out. In the early days, it had to be very, you had to be very, very technical. And that's why tech shows were hot and heavy in the early days. Now that's it's... That's why a lot of geeks got involved Yeah, the in geeks media. got involved, you right. know, me included. Right. So, but today the, the space has evolved and it's... It is, I think, from a content standpoint, women are leading the way in creating content. Women of color are coming in right behind them. Uh, international growth of content is fantastic. It's allowing people to spread their message that they maybe not were able to do before. Mm -hmm. So it's an exciting time. But Rob, do we want to talk about the latest rumor in the podcasting space about peak podcasting? Yeah, so what we're talking about is some... Recent uh, research from the Edison research folks came out saying that this past year we saw a little bit of a dip in growth of listeners to podcasting. And, uh, and there's speculation that maybe, you know, I think a lot of people have thought for many years that the growth curve for podcast adoption and listenership wasn't going to grow um, steadily forever, all right? Uh, there was going to be some peak. And... I just want to throw it out here to the panel, too. And Do you think we've reached peak podcasting of listeners where there's, we've now reached everybody that has an interest in podcasting, or do you think there's still more to go? Dan, what's your thought? I mean, I, I think taking any data from the last two years and trying to extrapolate right. it into the future is right. just, right. Uh, it, it's just silly. Like, they have to put out their stats and they have to do their research every year. Yeah. But, like, obviously this show has changed the show hasn't happened in those two years like so much you know no no we don't need to talk about it so much has has happened and changed especially when it comes to media consumption television i mean netflix is just coming out with all their stuff like there's just nothing normal about the last two years and podcasting is at the center of that not normal um so i i don't know i just think like we can almost just ignore that research for the past two years and see what what happens this year and next year and then we can really kind of see what that new normal actually is We've heard about the death of podcasting about every three years for the last <laughs> 17 years. So um, I, I think that train has left. And, I, you know, and that's another thing, too. I think if you take out the, the take out COVID. Right. Take out the last two years. The line is still going, you up. Know, going up. So right. I, don't, right. I don't think that's the case. Now, the good thing is I don't think I've run into a person in the last couple of years that didn't know what a podcast was. And uh, that to me is exciting. You know, everyone's talking about podcasting. Well, so. also that there's more growth happening outside of the United States now in podcasting. And that's, that's another big factor to consider here, too, is that we have reached a, 
a fair amount of maturity in the podcast market in the U.S. Um, so there is growth opportunity outside of the U.S. that we're starting to just see really start to accelerate. There are certain countries, even a country like Canada, Western Canada has higher listenership per capita to podcasts than the U.S. has. So there's pockets around the world that are adopting this at a much faster clip than even the U.S. has. I don't know, is there thoughts I, on I would that, also Dan? add this. At least in the streaming media side, 99% of the data put out in my industry is garbage. And the reason is the methodology stinks. Right. Garbage in, garbage out. So they're talking about peak, a peak in podcasting. Peak on what? Downloads? Engagement? Number of hours listened to? Right. You notice they don't usually say. And they don't say what their methodology is or their sample size or where the data comes from, right? So you got to question any company that puts out data with no methodology. And when the video side, we saw this when Nielsen and others were putting out stats and then Netflix and other companies came out and said, we have the data. It doesn't match anything that you're putting out. It's not even in the ballpark. So I never like when any research company comes out, any firm, any analyst and says, um, you know, there's a peak or we hear things like um, it's not growing as fast, right? But then what is the actual data they're basing that off of? What is the sample size? And one thing I always say to test any research report, if it ends in a lot of words that end in L-Y, there's a problem. Because what does usually mean? It doesn't. It doesn't have a concrete definition. You know, to, to Edison's defense, um, they did disclaim. And again, they didn't call it peak. They weren't the ones that they said, hey, here was the well, bump because of well, COVID. Well, Tom Webster did use those words. In, in an article. But, in an article, but, but not in the research. Not in the no. research. Right. But right. in the research and in the presentation of the research, he did say, hey, we, we kind of take these two years and that was an anomaly. You know? We, right. And actually, during COVID, podcast listening went way up. Right. So it's because everyone was stuck at home. We were looking for yeah. content. We were looking to, you know, be entertained. Yeah. And I, I do think there's a valid argument, though, that like with less people commuting, maybe forever, like there is some change that happened during, you know, those first two years of COVID that will, will stay. Right. Like people did go back to the gyms, whereas they weren't at the gyms for the first several months or six months or whatever. People, you know, weren't doing some of the things that they went back to doing. But the commuting and, and there's certain activities that people either gave up forever or took up forever um, that will fundamentally change. We just don't know what that impact is. But I think, too, what was interesting, we were expecting maybe a little bump in like smart speaker consumption. None of that really moved. People were still listening to podcasts the same way they always have, right, right through their earbuds. And uh, that, to me, was kind of a, a telltale sign that the media from a culture aspect hasn't changed in that podcasters have a direct relationship with their listeners because you're you're really literally in their head and i think that uh, that's you know that's one of the tenets of the space that's different than maybe youtube because youtube you're talking to an audience and oftentimes in a podcast you feel like you have a seat at the table right right well and also to add another layer of this too is on the content creator side we also saw a big bump in the number of new shows over the last two years too. I mean, we were growing at about 100,000 new shows every month for like the last year, year and a half. And subsequent to that, us coming back, uh, people are having to commute again, they're, they're traveling, they're doing things with their family now. And so we've seen a lot of shows 
go out of production, essentially, have stopped producing episodes. And a lot of them were free shows, ones that were hosted on free platforms. And so we've seen a big fall off on the content creator side, which is kind of winnowing the herd, per se, of the amount of new shows that were in the space. A lot of the ones that are producing now, which is only about 400,000 shows, active shows that have published a new episode in the last 90 days. Um, so it's, it's still, a, it's not as competitive of a market as you would think, given a lot of the numbers that are thrown around from like Apple, like two and a half million shows in Apple. Um, it's not really active though. Those numbers aren't active shows. And if you compare that to all the other medians, if you think about that, 400,000 shows across maybe 30 categories of content, and you just do a, the simple math on that, anyone that's considering starting a podcast today, your competition in that particular category of genre you're going to be in is maybe 20, 25,000 shows. Now, compare that to YouTube. Compare that to being on Twitter and trying to get traction or Instagram. Um, if you're a budding content creator and you want to break out, I think there's huge, huge opportunity in podcasting. But again, the <laughs> 50% of shows that start fail before episode seven. They don't make it to seven because creating content's hard. Yeah, yeah. So let's uh, talk, talk a little bit about, um, more about what YouTube is trying to do in, in, in podcasting. I know that there's a lot of talk right now around um, the importance of YouTube when it comes to discovery of podcasts. There, there's a lot of um, research that's coming out. Um, to go back to what Dan Reburn was saying, you have to take this stuff with a little bit of grain of salt because of the methodology, but uh, I think we have seen a, a consistent showing in the research that YouTube has really become quite a significant discovery platform for podcasts. And that screams the question, well, are those shows that are being discovered over there primarily video shows, video versions of podcasts? I don't know. Dan, 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 do you guys have any comments on that? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is not all podcasts are created equal, right? It's, it's a right. platform and distribution medium. So I'll just use my podcast as an example. I'm talking B2B. I'm not targeting consumers. I'm also only targeting people in the streaming media industry. So to be able to do a weekly podcast that gets seven to 8,000 downloads a month for under $50, we were talking about the cost before, a month, I mean, that's, that's obviously incredible. But I would never want my content on YouTube because I think the biggest reason people are using YouTube and other platforms is they don't already have a following. I was fortunate to have 25 years in industry of a blog and a newsletter and books and trade shows at NAB and live TV and everything else to where when you drop a podcast, people already know about it. Right. right. So having that built in platform, mm -hmm. huge advantage. If right. you don't have any of that and you create a podcast, how does anybody know about it? You right. have to have YouTube. You have to have the other platforms out there. So right. I think you have to look at the podcast from a B2C versus B2B, but also you need distribution. And yeah. we all know how much traffic YouTube has. But I also focus on the idea of quality over quantity. Right. Okay. Yeah, and that's been an important part of the streaming media industry, too. You think yes, about, I mean, absolutely. the streaming media industry has really been focused on larger media companies, and they tend to be really focused on high-quality productions. They have the money for it. Right, yes. right. And podcasting didn't really start out like that. It started out as a very grassroots, kind of rough 
in tumble medium and and in some ways it's maintaining a little bit of that grassroots i know todd what's your thought on that you know i've you know i've got a youtube channel and i think there's like 2500 subscribers and i probably half of those are bots who knows but um in, in all reality for me i don't care where people listen or watch as long as they do and i don't care what platform they get it on so I'm going to make sure my content is everywhere that people go to consume content, whether that be on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, whether it be uh, on Twitter. It doesn't matter to me. I'm going to put con- my content out there. And that's the beauty about podcasting is we can have distribution across all those platforms and not just be on one and had to have had signed some contract to be there. And at the same time, I can build my own brand on my own dot com. And to me, I built authority over time. You know, Dan, when I started, I was just a, I was in the Navy uh, working on airplanes. I wasn't really a, a, you know, I was a blogger and a horrible blogger to begin with. And so I had to build my authority by doing the grind, by doing episodes and being in the space and building authority. And that's the I, best way to do it. And, yeah, and, and right, that's the opportunity, right. though, for anyone today. If they want to become authority in a space, they can. So I don't know. I went around the question a little bit, Rob, but. Um, okay, I'll, I'll bring it back to YouTube then because this is what I, it was. I think the last NAB show was around this time because it was a discussion on stage 2019 um, ish. Um, University of Florida and Futuri Media put out a, a consumer study where they asked listeners, like, where do you consume podcasts? And the number one choice by far was YouTube. And like traditional podcast like industry was like, no, that doesn't count. Like, that's not. And, <laughs> that's but, true. like, yeah. as you said, like, what are the consumers like if that's where they think they're listening to podcasts and you're not putting your show on there especially you know like you said not all podcasts are created equal but if it's a show that you can get on there or is conducive to the platform and you're fighting it like you're fighting your potential listeners and where they want to hear you so um you know back to rob's original question like youtube it it seems like a place that people want to consume your content it's just a matter of if you're putting it there or not yeah and also more and more it's tiktok that's that's another platform that's becoming important for podcasters too. Um, I'm not a big fan of TikTok myself, but but it's an interesting place for a new generation that's looking to discover content. And podcasters can certainly reach maybe a potential audience over there. You know, we, we often hear podcasters say, oh, I can't get discovered. I don't can't get discovered. And I think part of it is, is they don't necessarily have a content issue. They have a... De- they basically have a Google search issue or a YouTube search issue. People can't, they're not finding their shows because the content creators aren't putting the time in to, to basically create enough metadata in those blog posts so that someone's looking for content is able to find. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's part of the value. So just sitting down and hit and record and, and putting out a podcast, that's like two tenths of the work. Right. You know, you've got a whole bunch of other stuff to do to get exposed and discovered. But that's the beauty of this space. Again, I think um, you just have the now everyone can do a podcast. And I, for me, it's, it's pretty amazing in that underrepresented spaces and underrepresented uh, demographics can have a podcast and on an equal footing with anyone else. So, Todd, I would say um, on the question of quality... Um, it's an interesting issue in the podcasting space because I think if you look at the history um, of you know major media and major media's success 
in reaching audience, it's been based on quality. And I know, Dan, you've been saying this too. Um, I know podcasting struggles with the concept of, of authenticity, being real, being, being who you really are versus contrived. And I think that maybe what we're seeing is a little bit of a transition in the, in the mainstream media world is people are becoming, listeners are, are, are wanting more real voices now. I mean, I mean Dan, Dan Rayburn, are you seeing this as a trend in streaming media and the larger media companies too, are real voices? I would call it authentic. Yeah. Right. People yeah. don't want to listen to something that's not real. So, you know, I've always taken the approach for 25 years. I'll be professional, but I won't sugarcoat it. If a company comes out with information or data that's not right, I call them out on LinkedIn and Twitter every day. And yeah. sometimes the companies don't like that, but the people in the industry respect it. Yeah. So if you then do that on the podcast and you keep it professional and you respect your audience, um, that builds a loyal following. People want to come back right. for that information because it's unique and it's different. I know that's that's uh, what I like about you as a as a leader in your industry in the stream media is you say it like it is and people respect that. You have to. That's all. Right. I mean, you have your character right. and integrity, and that's it. Right. Right. So if, if you're not being truthful in terms of what you're seeing in the market, which in the streaming media space everything is perfect. If you ask anyone <laughs> at any time right. until Netflix earnings. Everything is perfect. Video is growing. Right. Oh, my God. It's like, and yet they don't see how many companies are going under, raising money, poor valuations. Yeah. You have a lot of vendors here at the show where their stock price is down 80% in the last year. Now, it's down 80% for a reason. They were overvalued to begin with. Right. So quality is everything, no matter what you're producing, audio, video, text, books, anything. It's quality. You know, I, I think I look at the space, specifically the podcasting space, and go back to when we really had a mission. In the very early days, it was you had to, be, if you wanted to be on a major media platform, you had to sign your life away. And podcasting really destroyed those barriers. It was kind of like almost a double, you know, flip the bird at the man, right? We, we could do this without them. So when, when we went from that to where we are today, where people don't really maybe know that full history and people create content, um, and from the quality standpoint, I, I just want to hear some, a story. I want to hear something real. I want to hear emotion. I want to hear, you know, each one of us have our own stories to tell in our own life, and we have our own interesting perspectives. So for me, the podcast space was really the key to, to its success is really those original voices and that, as you said, being very authentic. So, yeah. And, and also, yeah, just, just an, an outlet like... Um, that maybe didn't exist before. And I keep thinking back. Um, so we, we had our, our last conference uh, last month in March. And about two weeks before the event, I got an email from uh, a woman who ran a podcasters group out of Ukraine, uh, a group of Ukrainian podcasters, not a network necessarily, but like an online community where they all gathered. Um, and it was a bunch of podcasters that were still broadcasting from inside Ukraine and still are. Um, and they were asking some questions about some of our education and some of our virtual events and getting access to it. Um, but just thinking like that, that's still happening. And there's messages now. And their messages have probably changed very significantly for, from what they were several months ago. But the fact that that megaphone, that, that broadcast point, that outlet is there, that, you know, if it weren't for podcasts, I mean, maybe they'd be writing a blog. Maybe they'd be trying to do YouTube. But they're sending their message out via podcast and it's a it's a powerful medium and when you talk about authenticity like if they're still podcasting like right. that's about as authentic as it gets yeah. it's probably a little risky <laughs> yeah 
Anyway, do you have anything? So I guess then, you know, if we think about this balance between quality content and listeners, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of an indie fan. I, I, I'm not so worried about quality. And I know a lot of people are, but this show is a prime example of this. You know, when Rob and I sit down and do the podcast, we hit start. Like today, we have an agenda. Well, quality is subjective, but, yeah, right? Yeah, subjective, right? right? So today we have an agenda, but normally we just go you know we don't even have an agenda but somehow we we find that we can fill 90 minutes and um and i think that is a testament to basically how this space kind of is and we don't edit this show it, we stop we start and stop when we put it out there and i know a lot of podcasters spend hours and hours editing and you can tell when a show's been over edited so i'd rather put up with a few ahs and ums sometimes as long as it's not too crazy well, that's what you get with live, right? You right. get it. It's it's what comes out of your mouth, right? Yeah. So I think there's a balance, and uh, because if you want to do super high quality content, that's a huge time investment. Huge. You got to do a lot of planning. Right. You got to do a lot of editing. You, I mean, it's like hardcore. Right. Where the average person is busy. They've got kids going to gymnastics, baseball games. We're back living. We're you know we're doing things. So. Sometimes the quality may sacrifice a little bit because of life and because the content creators in the space are you and I. And yes, the corporates have their thing, but I think still the indies are make up the core of this. I'm willing to have a sacrifice between quality content and somebody that's authentic. Yeah, and I think that uh, we're seeing a lot of people turn away from mainstream media now um, towards other sources of content that maybe they perceive as more trustworthy. Um, you know, that is something that maybe is good for the streaming media side um, as these more independent producers start creating channels and networks that are streaming now than ever before. I don't think it hurts, but it's interesting I'm going to go back to when you say quality because, see, I right, think of quality. quality of two different ways. I think of it the way you're thinking initially is quality of the content. Right. But I'm also thinking of the quality of the audio stream, and here's why. In the video world, right. typically, as consumers, we're all consumers, even if the video is not absolutely perfect, you're, you're still going to watch, as long as right. you're not dropping too many frames and whatnot. Yeah. But with audio, if the quality stinks, you will stop listening. Right. I guarantee it. It can't be painful. <laughs> it can't. So I think that's interesting on podcasts, too, because you're talking about equipment and whatnot. Some people don't know how to do it right, or they don't invest in that time and money it makes the podcast unbearable to listen to. Right. So the audio has to be good. Yep. I agree on the content side. There's many different ways where you edit, you don't edit. I don't edit either. Um, I, I think that comes down to also just the skill of the person to speak intelligently and intelligibly when they're doing a podcast right. and the guests that they have on and whatnot. But I think of quality of two different ways. Right. So I'm going to throw this question out to Dan and I'm going to change this up here a little bit. Um, the podcast space up to this point has been largely unique. But how do we how do we maintain podcasting's uniqueness and appeal? So I'll give that to Dan Franks. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, you know, it, it, we hate to call it the Wild West, right? Because that, that term, I remember several years ago, <laughs> someone called podcasting the Wild West of, of media. Um, but it kind of is in the sense that like anyone, and we've already talked about this, anyone can podcast about anything. Um, and that's not dissimilar from YouTube, but right. it's just the, the current state of like yep. kind of the creator economy is 
anyone can put up out a show about whatever it is, whether it's crazy radical ideas or whether it's some unique hobby or whether it's you as a professional. I mean, we've seen some of these um, like like dentists have like some of the most successful podcasts because they're podcasting to a hundred of the top dentists in the country and they're making six figures off their dental podcast because like you couldn't do that on television. You couldn't do that on radio, but you can do it a podcast. You could do it on a YouTube show or on a video show. Mm -hmm. So, um, I mean, I think the uniqueness is still what it always was is that like the content can be whatever makes the most sense for you. And if there's a receptive audience, then that's pretty unique. Well, it's a blank canvas, right? You can do whatever you want to do. Uh, and that's, that's the power of the medium. I don't think there's any standards on content. <laughs> I get a little scared, though, when I talk to podcasters, because sometimes they're chasing categories. What's hot? You know, true fiction, true crime. You know, what, what's hot? And they, ch- they chase a topic. But I always wonder, for me, if I'm not passionate about a topic, how am I going to invoke that in a show that I'm just where I'm trying to chase a chase a chase a category. You're not. You won't build an audience. Yeah. You won't yeah. build an audience. Your audience is everything that you have. So if you keep changing topics all the time, you're building new on, audiences every time. You're not yeah. building something over a long period. So I'd agree. You're not. You're, you're chasing dollars. Yeah. And that's the difference of like thinking if you want a job versus if you want a career. Right. Big difference. Or think of your audience too. What do they want? Well, and if you're chasing dollars in podcasting, you're not going to find the dollars. That's, that's just how it is. Like, there's money there, but if yeah. you're starting a show in a certain yeah. category because you think that's where the dollars are, the dollars are not there for you. Right. That's just, I mean, they probably won't be there. Right. Yeah. yeah definitely. So, uh, we're definitely feeling growing pressure in the podcasting medium around the development and growth of proprietary closed platforms. And I think it's an interesting. Um, trend line to, to, to talk about here just to see I think if you look in the past with media uh, I think there's been a strong pattern towards the move towards proprietary closed platforms and we're we're starting to see that with television right now more and more with the splintering of of all these new uh, streaming uh, channels being done by all the major media players out there you know all the ones with the little plus sign on them um, so everybody's putting their own stuff behind their own platform now. Um, do we think that we're going to continue to see that develop? I mean, if you look at Apple, Apple has a direct upload ability to create premium podcasts. Uh, Spotify is, is also supporting direct upload of video podcasts now. Uh, so we're definitely seeing an evolution of kind of the stratification of distribution of podcast content into proprietary platforms. and. And Dan, is there any thoughts that you have on that? Either Dan? Well, if we want to compare it to the video side, here's the biggest takeaway is that these companies are doing what's best for their bottom line. Right. Okay. Just like the sports leagues. Why do you have to watch baseball on four different apps this year? Because they cut deals. Right. So they're doing not what we want, not what's easiest, not aggregating all the content in one place in most cases because they're businesses. Right. That's, That's what's best for them. So they want the relationship direct to consumer, D to C. They want to own it. So I'm not surprised that we continue to have proprietary platforms and we're going to continue to. The idea that we're ever going to see Apple and Google and Microsoft and Spotify all say, hey, let's work together, that's just not reality. It's not going to happen. But yet that's kind of what we have with RSS, with podcasting, is that they're all accessing the same content, which is interesting from that, that perspective. You know, it's an open ecosystem. Uh, which doesn't exist in the 
really in the the video space, at least historically. There's nothing in the video world that is a standard. We have no standard bit rate, codec, aspect ratio, player right. protocol, nothing right. 26 years in. And yet here we are at a broadcast show where the moment you say high definition, it's the same everywhere you go. On the internet, what's high definition? Whatever right. they decide. Yeah. Huge difference. You know, it... I'm a big proponent of free speech, and I say that podcasting is truly the last bastion of free speech. Now, free speech is not always without consequence, so let's you know keep that clear. But I think what I appreciate about the ability of an RSS feed, and for those of you who don't know what that is, that's basically a text file with a bunch of gibberish in it that allows the syndication sites to pull the new episodes down and put them in their library. With that, it's just like a broadcast tower. That is your foundation for your show. If you, if you cut down a broadcast tower, you're off the air. If you delete an RSS feed, you're off the air. But the cool thing about the internet is it doesn't cost anything hardly to maintain that, that broadcast tower, that RSS feed. So as long as RSS is the primary way that podcasts are syndicated, and I use the word syndicated because they're not distributed, they're syndicated, they're actually, content is, is pulled from that RSS feed, um, I think that uh, we'll be okay. Um, but if you know, Spotify came to me and said, "Hey, Todd, uh, you know, here's a here's a six or seven figure check to bring the new media show to Spotify. We're going to cash that bad boy in a hurry." <laughs> as as Joe Rogan did, right? Yeah. Well, and this, but this is like early days. Like we're just now seeing like what the next phase of Netflix is. Right. Like we're. 10 years, five years, call it, away from that happening in podcasting, I think. Right now, we're seeing, like, everyone's first shot at it. We're seeing, okay, Spotify is going to buy a bunch of shows and put it behind Spotify. Like, not paid, but you have to be listening through Spotify. Um, and we'll see what that means. Like, they might decide, hey, we could put these shows back out into the open ecosystem, put ads on them, and make more money that way. And we just own the content and make the money that's coming from the ads on the content. So we're very much seeing V1 of all these. Apple just now starting yeah. to do their premium podcast feature. Like, everything is so new. We don't know what that, you know, V2 is going to look like yet. We're still in V1. Yeah, I'm to kind of build upon that that topic of RSS, I mean, many in the podcasting space felt that Joe Rogan, when he did the deal with Spotify, he was no longer a podcast because he was not distributing his show off of RSS anymore. And he was only available on Spotify. So, you know, does that create a question mark? I think what we've seen happen with that, though, is that shows that have done deals like that with Spotify have basically walked away from those deals after a certain period of time because oftentimes you give up audience by doing a deal like that. I, you know, there was some research that came out on, on Joe Rogan and they, that research was showing that Joe was losing influence with his audience because he was proprietary only on Spotify and Spotify, guess what? He was, Spotify was doing some censoring of his content. Um, they didn't feel comfortable having certain topics that he discussed on his show on their platform. So guess what? You know, Joe would have been able to keep all those shows if he would have had his RSS feed and he was hosted on an open RSS. Certainly some platforms could take him down if he went too far and violated their terms of service, but I don't think that they would have been as brutal on Joe Rogan as Spotify has been. I don't know, guys, do you, do you have any thoughts on any of that? Well, well, Spotify is walking that line between are they just 
distributing someone else's show, or is it their show that's being distributed? And that's the question no, they didn't, you it's know, exclusive. Yeah, right? that's the question yeah. they didn't have to ask themselves when they were just accepting RSS feeds, the syndication you were talking about. Right. So now they're having to face a different set of questions. And you know, when you own and operate a show versus you're just providing the platform for it to broadcast on, it's two different conversations. And I think they'll probably, you know, them and yeah. everyone else that are starting to host some of these kind of. Yeah. either paywalled shows or just shows within these closed ecosystems, they're going to have to yeah. uh, face these dilemmas more and more. Yeah, and, and Joe's a really fascinating example of what's happening in the media space right now where uh, people have a lot of trust issues with media in general right now on, on all sides of the political spectrum. Um, and Joe is kind of emblematic of someone that's trying to, to just be genuinely speak what he sees as the truth and tries to share what's going on in the world and a lot of people don't like that and that gets back to what Todd was talking about about free speech um, this is this is plowing into all sorts of areas that are interesting for the media landscape kind of at a whole I mean so is this kind of impacting the streaming media side too it really doesn't because so much of what's taking place on the streaming side you know, so much of it is, is not consumer-facing. It's business-facing. We're talking about right. business topics, right. right? So we're not having debates about whether or not you got your vaccine. Right, right now, we are debating whether or not Netflix That's really should have lost... not a good idea to talk about that anyway, right? ...$45 billion <laughs> in market cap because they right. lost 200,000 subscribers, less than 1% of all their subs, right? That's right. what we're debating. So it's, it's a little different on the streaming video side. That said, a lot of the content that's obviously created across Netflix and Amazon Prime and Hulu is 100% for consumers. And right. they are trying to figure out, and it's a tough job to figure out every year the billions of dollars they're spending. How much of that are we spending on documentaries, kids shows, romantic comedies, action? Right? And right. they don't always get that right. And right. now they're also trying to figure out, okay, how do we bring more diversity into it? It's, it's complex. That's yeah. why Disney Plus and others do well because they're so focused. Family-friendly, kid-friendly. You're never going to have an R-rated movie on Disney, probably not anytime soon. It's much harder when you have to be everything to everybody, content-wise. So what do you think it says about this, this, the media landscape that CNN launched their CNN Plus product and then had to pull it? It doesn't mean anything. We mean all anything. know in the industry, we all wrote blog posts the day it launched or the idea came out. This is dead in the water. Yeah. The last thing we need is more places to get news. And by the way, CNN, you launched a site that doesn't have live streaming video of the CNN channel. Of course not. You don't want to impact the broadcast rights that you've already sold to the cable operators. Right, that's true. But why would you think this is a good idea? It doesn't fill a void or a niche in the market. We just don't need it. Even if it was free, for those of you that probably are old as I am, remember CNN Pipeline. Right? CNN's already tried this a couple times over the last 20 years. So mm -hmm. I actually gave kudos to Warner Bros. Discovery's new management for pulling the plug so quickly when the merger went through. Stop wasting dollars. Stop wasting money. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, and I think it does point to that fact that sometimes um, trying to add to what you have doesn't always pay off. I, I think, you know, CNN obviously has a, a product that they've offered for a long time that people are familiar with. Trying to extend it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to and me. And it has to have a business model. CNN right. Plus had zero right. business model of any kind. They could right. never make up the money they were spending to produce the content based on how they priced it and how they packaged it. Right. So economics, numbers, they matter. I remember being at an NAB show 
10 years ago, a guy came up to my booth and uh, said, hey, we'd love to produce podcasts for you. We can do it for $20,000 an episode. And I, I literally kind of laughed at the guy. And uh, I said, uh, he said, what's your budget for creating a, a show? And I said, zero. And uh, he, he's kind of stood back a little bit, you know, and, and was like, didn't understand the process of how this space doesn't have to have those high production budgets. It doesn't cost $25,000 or half a million or a million dollars to throw an episode out there. It just takes, uh, you know, a passion to create content. So I think that's one of the reasons why this space will never, ever be, never go away is because the barrier to entry at this point is, is near zero. But isn't that one of the fun things about podcasting is some shows do have those budgets. Right. And those are very successful shows, just like a show, you know, we keep mentioning Joe Rogan, but like, it's, you know, press record, hit play, stream, whatever. Like, no. you can have successful shows with big budgets and they can make their money back if they do it right. Or you right. can have the shows with no budget and they can make money if they do it right, too. Um, and they're, as long as the RSS and the syndication is still there, they're on very even playing fields. They're going head to head in the rankings and for the yeah. listen the listeners' yeah. ears. And that's a cool thing about our medium. Yeah. Yeah, I'd also like to talk a little bit about um, what can the podcasting industry do to, you know, reach its full potential. I, I'm, I'm of the feeling that we haven't reached peak podcasting. Um, but are there some things that podcasting can improve upon? or expand into that can take things to another level um, and keep this, this steady growth curve that we've seen in podcasting keep, keep going so we don't have a, a dip. Um, is there any thoughts, Dan, more podcast movement conferences or, or, what, or what is it? <laughs> no, no. I, I mean, I think there's a good amount of education out there and a good amount of good education out there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't have a, a great answer here. I don't know. I'd yeah. be happy to hear what you guys think. Okay. Any thoughts that you have? I'm not yeah. in the, So I don't consider myself to be in the podcasting uh, industry, right? Yeah. A streaming right. industry where I happen to be a podcaster. But I, I would default to, to you and others who, you know, this is your industry. Podcasting is what you do. Sure. Uh, you guys know that industry and the numbers and figures better than I do. But what I always think anybody can do is from a content creation standpoint is know your audience better. Right. So right. every single podcast I put up, wherever platform it shows, it says questions, comments, email me at dan at com. I get emails all the time. But I always wonder, like, why is there never an email of the person who's the podcast you're listening to? You can't reach them. Right. Now, I also include my phone number, which is probably nuts, and some people think it's crazy. But that feedback helps. Yeah, I, I take that in and I, I That's the power of live, it. too, right? Yes. Is it, it has that ability. Well, you and I are on the same page because sometimes I get frustrated with podcasters. They got a great show, but there's no way to give them feedback. Right. Drives me insane. Go no to their email website. Address, there's no, no email address. Phone number. No you know, right. Gmail gives you a free email address that you can use as a throwaway. You know, use that thing at least. You know, check it once right. a week. But but the question was, how do you keep the industry growing? Right? It wasn't like yeah. how do you yeah. right? So I'm. Well, what I do mean, you guys that's think? all a, a piece of it too. If you can engage audiences at a deeper level, you're going to get more people. Hopefully, at attracted to this and I think also one of the things too is is keep a, keep evolving and improving um, the distribution of this um, I think the evolution of podcasting into YouTube and into TikTok and these other ones is keeping podcasting at the forefront of the media landscape right and what where listeners are consuming content 
if if the medium can keep adapting to changes like that, then we're going to keep growing. The number one thing I hear from podcasters, obviously, how do I grow my show? Right. So from a industry standpoint, we have to do better in helping podcasters grow their show. But at the same time, what I've also learned is what keeps podcasters motivated is feedback. And I think the app developers could go a long way in making that listening experience where you could instantly send feedback back to that, that podcast listener. And the Podcast 2.0 initiative that's underway has some of those mechanisms to funnel that feedback, not necessarily through an email, but through an app, sending it to a central place where the podcaster can get access to it. I think it would go a long ways in helping the content creators feel his community and build his community um, because that's what ultimately they're trying to do. And it's, it's difficult to build a community when you are really not an authority in the space. You have a community, you build a community, but for someone that's new to build a community, they almost like we have to kickstart kick that for them. Well, and that's somewhere that video is way ahead of audio is like that ability for people to comment on an episode. Like if your show is a YouTube show, there's a comment section, good or bad, but you're getting that feedback. Um, Twitch, if your show's on Twitch, like there's there's stuff happening there. So uh, if you're putting stuff on social media, you have that feedback loop. But for your audio file, if someone's listening on Spotify or, or uh, you have a you have a ratings and reviews uh, of your show overall, but you can't get that you know built-in feedback uh, for your episodes. And I think that's something that you know lots of apps actually over the past ten years have tried to be that new that new listening platform where you can interact, where you can ask questions, where you can leave voice feedback that the podcasters can play on their show but none of the large platforms where the majority of listings happening has that so you know I, I maybe that's one of the ways to do it if feedback and interaction is the best way to to grow the shows and grow the industry maybe you know one of these big platforms whether it's spotify or uh apple or google podcasts maybe they need to integrate that or you know we kind of skipped over this when we were talking about youtube but youtube is getting is getting into podcasting. We we don't know yeah. or can't say what that yeah. is, right. uh, depending on our you know NDA status. But they're doing something in podcasting. Yeah. Um, they did a session at Podcast Movement in March, where the head of podcasting, like YouTube, has a podcasting department, got up there and basically said, like, we're here to start helping podcasters utilize our platform to grow their show and grow their audience and grow that interaction. So maybe it's a case of if none of these existing platforms are going to do it, then YouTube's going to swoop in and be the one. Well, the big question is whether or not it's going to be audio or, or video or both. <laughs> it's, it, it may be both, but I know Dan, Dan Rayburn, thank you so much for coming up on stage. I know you have to run because you have your own yeah, streaming media summit that yeah, you got to get to. One hour, we have to get that up right, and running. So, right, But right. I appreciate you having me here. You know, the podcasting topic is, I think it's one of those things you're, all of you are never going to stop discussing, right? Because I see it as just the way video grew over time. Right. And again, yeah. 26 years later, look at where video is today. Right, right. right. Podcasting's doing the same way. So appreciate you guys having me. Sorry yeah. I have to bounce a little early. Yeah, well, thanks for, for stepping up and coming Thank up you. and talking podcasting with us. And yep. definitely, uh, for those of you that don't know about this, the Streaming Summit is a, a pretty good fixture here at NAB. So uh, if you get a chance to attend, please do so. So I guess it leaves the three of us, and we can kind of get a dig in a little deeper. Um, right. So, Dan, I've, you and I have talked about this a little bit. Do we need a trade organization? Um, I don't know. And I say that, like, I think it's something that would move the industry along. 
But I think the biggest hurdle is we've talked about the fragmentation in the space and how some of these larger companies and smaller companies and networks and platforms and distribution places, like they don't want to play nice with each other. So having a trade organization that only has representation from a small corner of the industry or has all these gaps in it, I'm not quite sure if it's something that once you put it together, then you know, the FOMO will kick in and, and everyone will want a seat at the table and then maybe they'll come together or if it's something that'll just, you know, be dead in the water like a CNN Plus before it starts because you can kind of see the writing on the wall. I, 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 don't, I don't know. Yeah, I think that the talk that I've heard here recently is more focused around like a radio type advertising bureau kind of a concept, um, but just have that apply to podcasting. I, I think where the representation... Um, comes into play like an association, whatever is really around the advertising market for podcasts. Uh, trying to come up with standards, trying to come up with methodology. Because the IAB, which is the Interactive Advertising Bureau, um, I don't know that they're going to go down the path of creating advertising standards for podcasting. Else, they would have probably done it by now. Um, mainly, they focused on metrics. So I think um, you know, I think that there could be like an R R A. Um, I was it is it the radio advertising bureau RAB I think is, is the equivalent in the radio industry that could be created around podcasting I don't know what do you think about that Todd yeah Todd or Dan? I mean we've seen work groups come together for specific things and some of them have gotten a little further than others so I think right. something like that where it's more targeted where it's you know right. everyone that's involved can kind of see their their unique benefit for them. Um, could be it, and so I think maybe there is a future in something like that. Whether it is yeah. for you know the the podcast 2.0 initiative or whether it's advertising standards, that's something I could see come together a little more, um, yeah, yeah, a little more easily. You know, I think the part of any forming any organizations is agendas, and <laughs> right. I think really what it will boil down to for a trade organization or whatever we want to call it to be successful, it has to be formed by someone that's not me not Rob. It has to be someone that is more of a neutral party that can basically, uh, you know, um, you know, herd the chickens around and make sure that uh, the agendas stay in check and that the industry grows as a, as a whole and, and have agendas that works together. I know a lot of podcasters are, you know, a lot of the indie podcasters are kind of semi-concerned about what's going on with, with the corporatization of podcasting. I'm not so much worried about that. But I don't know. I think that uh, it's time, but again, I think it's going to be like, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be hard to organize. Well, Rob, you've been involved in the, the formation and the leadership of the Podcast Academy, and I think yeah. potentially the Podcast Academy was maybe intended to be the first step in that direction. Um, it's not currently that, no. um, but do you see any, like, any future in that, or does it have its place, but it's not necessarily what you're envisioning for a trade organization? I don't know. I think we're at kind of a little bit of an inflection point with the Podcast Academy. And if you're not familiar with the Podcast Academy, it's like the organization that's putting together kind of the the Academy Awards of podcasting. It's called the Ambies. Uh, and it's held in Los Angeles. It just was held as part of, you know, in the same time frame as Podcast Movement um, Conference in, in Los Angeles. Um, and I think the idea behind it was really to create the award show. But I think... Um, with this new board coming in, so we just had elections for new board members, we may see a movement in the board to expand the scope of what that organization could take on uh, to create more of an association. Uh, but I, 
I don't know that yet. I think it's still too early. I, I have heard talk about this advertising focus, which is, I think there is a need for that. Now, who, I don't know that the Podcast Academy is really the right organization to fulfill the advertising needs of the industry, but it may fulfill the needs of more of like a professional organization because it is starting to create that to some degree. I don't know, Todd, what's your thoughts on it? Well, you know, I, I go back to my participation in the IEB and us coming up with the podcast metric certifications for measurement. And in those early days of those meetings, how should I say it? It was, uh, it was lively. <laughs> and, uh, you know, what was said in those conversations stayed in those conversations, but right. we had, uh, you know, very heated discussions about different things and bringing some science into it and to, to prove points. But I think that uh, in the end, 36 companies signed that initial document saying this is what we are coming together with and saying this is the this, this is, is the, the way we're going to count stuff right and yeah. in those right. type of con uh, conversations continue at the IEB so time will tell what happens but I think what people have to have is if they're going to form any type of organization they got to have a little bit of thick skin and be willing to work as a team and to be able to put stuff together that's going to better the podcast community and not leave people behind. And, you know, we have a lot of different, uh, if you look at the spectrum today of, of podcasting and who's creating podcasts, that's a lot of people not to leave behind and right. for voices to be heard and be represented and, you know, everything that goes along with that. Yeah, and it's also a challenge also because podcasting is an international medium. And so any organization, and there's been pressure on even the Podcast Academy to... To, to develop its um, membership base and its curriculum and its, um, its focus to be international. And that's a huge undertaking. I know, you know, Dan, I'm sure you would love to have a podcast movement in, you know, Europe sometime or something like that. But that's probably a huge undertaking. And it's, that's no different than any other organization of trying to tackle the issues of the world. Right. Yeah, I'd Australia seems beautiful. Love yeah, to do a podcast movement there. I would love there. to do a conference down there. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, we've <laughs> we've seen such a growth internationally in, in foreign languages and people in foreign countries with English podcasts right. and, and Africa's booming right now and Europe's booming and South yeah. America has been yeah. booming and continues yeah. to. Um, yeah, so there's so much exciting going on in, in Asia, like we, we, everywhere across the world there's podcasts booming um, at a faster pace than we're seeing here in the United States. So, right. yeah, there's plenty of opportunity. It's just a matter of biting off you know, as much as you can chew, but not more than you can chew from, you know, our standpoint, from the podcast academy standpoint, right. I probably from the platform standpoints as well. Like what's the investment to make all of your, you know, tools and services foreign language versus what's the, you know, going to be the return on some of those. Like right. those are conversations I'm sure you all are having. So, you know, maybe the question is, is podcasting home need to be part of NAB? You know, do we need to be the next splinter of membership you know that's that's the next question too and then you know with anything else then do we have training tracks here at nab just like they have for broadcasters and content creators is is that the place and you know i don't know if it is or not um because again this is a highly commercial show it doesn't attract a lot of indie content creators mm -hmm. so again you may be missing a segment of the of the content creation side that you want to be able to include because I just don't want to be the one making up standards. That's, that's insane. Yeah. Yeah. I think we would love as an industry to be a little bit more integrated in with the NAB 
and um, what they offer with the educational stuff. I know, Dan, you do a lot of work with the NAB, too, um, bringing your your skills from Podcast Movement to this event, and, and Todd and I and, and a few other companies have been coming to this conference for many years. Um, but we're still not, you know, official members of the organization yet. We're still kind of considered a little bit of a fringe medium um, that is coming in and helping helping people understand this new medium. But yet we're not really part of the the organization yet. And I don't know, Dan, what's your thoughts on that? Do you think that that needs to happen? I mean, I think that would be great, right? Because right. this is, you know, the kind of broadcast central, not just the show, but the NAB in general. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that would be the next step of a maturation process of the podcast industry. And so many of these like big business, uh, you know, let's say it, iHeart is like a very large member of NAB and they're a very large player in podcasting. Right. Like some of those things seem to really make a whole lot of sense. Just, you know, what's already in place and what could be in place. Um, yeah, you know, we, we do have some education that's happening here. It's about the same amount of education that we've had the past three or four times since we've been working with NAB for podcast, you know, curriculum type things. So, you know, I, I'd love to see that grow. I'd love to, you know, whether we're involved or not in, in programming those, uh, that would be a sign that there's, you know, more adaptation or adoption of, of podcasting into NAB. I'd like to change topics here a little bit and talk about uh, what's next and what's being attempted to be accomplished in the podcasting space. There's an initiative called Podcasting 2.0. It's largely led by the Podfather Podcasting, Adam Curry. Yes, the VJ from MTV. Um, you know, the podcasting space may not exist with what he had done back in 2004 to make the initial, you know, mechanism along with Dave Weiner to have podcasts be able to walk around with an iPod. You know, that was before the days of an iPhone. But, you know, he's now, and part of a Dave Jones is another guy in the space working to expand RSS. podcasts, RSS. And that includes monetization, it includes transcripts, it includes a whole bunch of initiatives that we haven't been able to get traction on for years and that the, the maturity of being able to bring new features to the space has been limited largely because of RSS. So I'm kind of curious on your thought on you know, what, what, what that initiative, how it's looking and what you're hearing on your side. I don't hear a whole lot about it from the independent, like, right. you know, kind of, we deal with a lot of hobbyist creators who maybe aspire it to be, to be something more, um, but we just don't hear the conversation about it happening that much. Um, interestingly enough, the other end of our conversations are with the largest companies, your Spotify's, your iHeart's, and we're not hearing about them from them either. So it's like a lot of that conversation is happening in the middle right. of people that have been podcasting a long time. They've noticed the gaps in the space. They've noticed, hey, what do we do with our transcripts? Couldn't we inv include those in the RSS feed? Yeah. Uh, monetization features, things like that. Um, so a lot of those people that are kind of in that middle ground, they've got a successful podcast trying to figure out how to what the next piece of the evolution is. That's where we see those conversations happening. But the two places that we kind of work in the most, uh, we don't hear yeah. about it a lot at all. Yeah, I think that the, the, the idea behind it is really trying to extend RSS and modernize it. The, the, the standard that was established uh, for RSS 2.0 was established like two decades ago, and we're still kind of living in a, in a standard that's a little antiquated. Um, so we've been able to successfully extend it with new namespaces. Uh, Apple has a namespace, um, and 
Podcast 2.0 is trying to come up with their own new tags or no, new, new namespaces that can enable um, more advanced capabilities like maybe multiple episodes in one item in the RSS feed versus just one item or one link to one MP3 file. Maybe have a link to an audio file and a link to a video file all in the same listing, right? And, and maybe adding monetization ability in there, whether it be pay premium or or other other extensions Todd, and, uh, you, you can you can talk about this too maybe more tags around location based Im- information of where a podcast is is located are are we going to see more geo um, targeting of of podcasts that are related to advertising as well as the content creation side so there's ways that we can extend podcasting via RSS and it's a way to also avoid kind of these closed platform creep that's that's happening too, is because a lot of these big proprietary platforms are able to do things with their platform um, that are kind of next generation that kind of extend beyond RSS, and they can start to ignore RSS, and that's what we don't want. You know, I, I look at the Facebook stream going on today and the people that are watching. And there's a closed caption that's going on right now as we're talking about it. It's running about 15 seconds behind. Transcripts. So, you know, Facebook and YouTube and other folks have really solved some accessibility issues where those that are hearing impaired are able to watch that closed caption going on as we're live. Whereas in podcasting, oh boy, it's it's not good from an accessibility standpoint. So... You know, part of this podcast 2.0 initiative is to solve some of those issues of accessibility. The transcripts, yeah, they can be used for SEO, but for me, the, the transcripts are largely for those that need to be able to hear that can't hear right. this content in the players that we have. So Rob and I have debated already, is it Apple's responsibility? Is it Google's? Is it Spotify's responsibility to put the transcript up in or put a closed caption up from that content? Or is it the content creator's responsibility to have that closed caption file ready to rock and roll when they publish that content? Yeah, and it's not clear in the ADA, which is the the law, um, you know, the accessibility law, who's responsible? Is it the the listening platforms or the publishing platforms, or is it the content creator themselves? I think that there is clear law around video content. Um, if, a, if a video show is made available, it really kind of has to have closed captions. Um, but it's not as clear in the ADA around audio, and specifically podcasting, because the ADA was written at a time when podcasting didn't exist. So they haven't updated the law to reflect new technology and that's that, that's one of the things that has held it back as well because a lot of companies felt like they didn't really need to support it because it really they weren't going to get in trouble by not supporting it so because the law wasn't clear so I don't know Todd hey, well you know Dan, in recent litigation think? we know that iHeart yeah, was went after right um, from but they're a, a major media platform and though, it, right? and the thing is they are the consumption platform right they're, so, they're on the consumption side yeah. so they were they've been they've been they're being litigated against because they don't provide it so the question is then does apple get litigated against does google get litigated against and then does the individual podcaster with his own dot com right 
that's just an independent content creator, does he get sued because he's not providing closed caption for his show, even though he's got 100 listeners? That's, yeah. you know, that's what we're facing. So right. I think part of this podcast you put in the show has an opportunity to fix that. And, yeah. and the technology is, is getting there now, too. There's, Descript is one of my favorite tools. It's right. got a great way to upload your show and, you know, do the closed captioning, do the transcripts, embed that either as a player or a video file mm -hmm. if it's a video file. But it's not cheap, and it's yeah. not quick, and it's not super easy. It's way, it's light, you know, light years ahead of where we were even five years ago. But it's an investment of time and money oh, yeah. over and above. And we've already talked about like some of these limitations that podcasters face. Yeah. So yeah, but it's tough. Like, does that onus still go on those podcasters? And like, hey, you can't do a podcast if you can't do a transcript. Or are there other ways, you know, around it? Or do app developers like Pocket Cast and Overcast, do they bear the burden of providing the closed caption for those that are listening on their app? And Which is I, what YouTube does now. You upload right. a video to YouTube and it will generate the closed captions. And um, they're not perfect, but they're there yeah. and they're, they're functional. And the fallout of the confusion around all this is that the, the disabled folks out there are not getting access to the content. And I don't see an easy solution to this quickly. I mean, the government needs to get their act together. All the technology platforms need to do a better job as well. So, um, but it's just not clear who's supposed to do what. And, and I think too, we've seen some recent articles where they don't want just closed caption. They want rich closed caption, applause, excitement, right, uh, right. sadness, whatever the emotion is to evoke that. And I call that transcripts with context. So it's probably not the right word, but yeah. I think they're right. But then when you get to that level, providing that level of a closed caption, that gets very expensive. Yeah, and transcripts are not cheap and easy to produce either. And and that's another that's a whole another topic we could talk about in the podcasting space too cuz transcripts are are so useful for so many different aspects of the podcasting medium now around advertising context so as we're feeling pressure on privacy the the relief valve could be context in the content for targeting of ad messages to be relevant to audiences it's good for the advertiser it may be good for the podcaster too um, so transcripts are huge, but the problem is a lot of transcripts are not very accurate. So you have that whole issue, then you have accents, language, all those kind of things that complicate transcripts. But, you know, the advertisers yeah. want this as well for a quick way to do brand safety. Brand safety, right. They want to totally. go through and look for those four-letter words and uh, topics and, you know, specific types of content that they don't want to advertise in. So when right. programmatic comes in, how do... How do brands stay safe with, uh, yeah. you know, you don't want a, uh, an ad, a company doesn't want to add in, a, in some content that has maybe something borderline hate speech. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So you have any other thoughts, Dan, on this topic? No. Um, I mean, I think, you know, the, a transcript, if you're a solo podcaster, it's going to be a whole lot easier to upload to these platforms and get it out there. Right. Whereas we've talked about a audio fiction a little bit where you've got 12 different voice actors and you've got sound effects and you've got, like you said, whether it's applause or door opening or things like that. So it's really a, a wide spectrum of, of, you know, a wide range of what we're talking about here. And, and that time and that, that money investment is going to, you know, vary greatly depending on what kind of show it is. Yeah. So for the audience that's watching live today, there's lots of opportunities out there to get educated. Why don't you tell everyone a little bit about Podcast Movement and what you guys do? 
Yeah, thanks. So Podcast Movement uh, started in 2014 as a once-a-year conference for podcasters, um, really kind of grew out of independent podcasters who were looking for a show, kind of like NAB, but for podcasters specifically. Um, so we crowdfunded it on Kickstarter in 2014, launched. Um, since then, every summer we've had the conference, over 3,000. Uh, hopefully this summer, close to 4,000 podcasters come together. Um, and it's really not only grown from a once-a-year event to now a twice-a-year event, um, we're actually in Las Vegas next March uh, for our, our spinoff event called Evolutions. Um, but kind of the biggest thing for us is that year-round community that we've built. So our Facebook group has nearly 75,000 podcasters in it, just called Podcast Movement Community. Um, so we really enjoy kind of that year-round interaction with podcasters and creators. And as I mentioned earlier, those brand new creators are really our bread and butter of making sure they have the right entry point into the podcast ecosystem because um, there is so much noise out there and stuff trying to at least, you know, hold their hand a little bit to, to get things yeah. kicked off with their podcasting journey. For those that, uh, you know, maybe don't have the resources to go to to podcast movement out in Dallas this summer, there's lots of regional stuff that's starting to kick off too. So you don't necessarily have to go, you know, fly five states to get to a, to a conference. So there's some uh, good um, newsletters out there. One's called Pod News, where they have a list of all of upcoming events where you can find educational conferences or just even people meeting up and doing a podcast meetup in a, in a local community. So I encourage you, if you're interested in this space and you're not connected with a, a podcast group, to maybe look at some of those resources to find, you know, like-minded people you can hang out with and get help. Yeah, I think pod.events is the website that lists the whole calendar of yeah, any. Exactly. A lot of them are free. A lot of virtual yeah. events are still happening. Um, but yeah, meetup.com usually has some really big local meetup groups, and they're all kind of yeah. starting to come back in now. So, yeah. yeah, and a lot of them will be educational-based meetup groups. Sometimes they're networking. Yeah, you but, have a meetup coming up here on Tuesday, right? Yeah, new media show, Podcast Movement Meetup. It's right. Tuesday uh, at uh, Nevada Brew Works at 7 p.m., so that'll be fun. We've, we're expecting we've got over 100 people RSVP'd, oh, so it should be a really good audience. That's great. It's going to pull from the Las Vegas podcaster community. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. I think from my perspective is we, we got about eight minutes left here. I mean, that's the worst thing you should do when you're getting close to the end of a show is tell them how long you got left. But I think that uh, <laughs> got a laughter out there. But, you know, we're real here. So, yeah. <laughs> so for those that are watching live, um, you know, I think the main thing is if you've been thinking about doing a podcast and you really, you know, you got a message you want to share, there's no better time to start a podcast than right now. You know, I've known people that procrastinated and waited two or three years to launch a show, and they usually come back to me later and say, man, I wish I would have just went with it before. So don't be afraid to pull up a mic and, uh, or your iMac uh, microphone or whatever it may be and, 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 and create some content and just let your voice be heard. I think it's important that uh, independent content creators be able to get the message out, and podcast is a great way to do it. And again, low barrier to entry. Yeah, and you're not going to know if you really love podcasting until you start doing it. So, and I think that it's kind of like a learning curve that you get on and you start getting better at it and you just keep doing it, keep doing it. And if you love doing it, then you'll just keep doing it. But you also have to just focus on what is the value that you're going to get out of it for yourself personally and what you think that you're, you're helping others. So it's an exchange of value that you're trying to create with, with, your life and with other people's lives and this is really a personal relationship that you're building with other people and that's that's really the key if you think if you keep thinking about it from that perspective 
I think you'll you'll get a lot more out of podcasting and and it's been so so great to do this show from the NAB. This first time we've done the the new media show um, from NAB. Uh, we do this show live at most of the podcasting conference, even Dan's. Um, and so th- this is a regular thing that we do, but it's just an honor to be here and do this show. And we're doing another episode of this on Tuesday, the 26th at 3 to 4.30 as well. And in that, that particular episode, we're going to talk about podcast advertising and what's happening in that market. Um, so it should be a interesting. If you have an interest in the podcast advertising side, we'll spend 90 minutes talking about that. So... And for those of you that are watching that are in their international community, um, you know, the international podcasting space is, is exploding. Uh, you know, we were talking about different countries that were growing. And, you know, I look at uh, a big part of our customer base is out of uh, Brazil. And they have podcasts over there that are three to six hours long with six million right. listeners that are put out daily. Right. And so just, you know, so podcasting is completely different from country to country. And I think that um, right. there's... There's a huge opportunity internationally. And for those content creators that have the resources to translate their shows from English to Spanish and some other languages, I think there's great opportunity there as well. Yeah, definitely. Well, Todd, should we wrap it up? I think think so. So, Dan, why don't you give them your uh, 411 on where they can find you and contact you? Yeah, anyone that's at NAB or coming to NAB, we've got uh, four sessions coming up in the next two days. So uh, just look in the NAB app or the website and search podcasting, and you'll find all the fun stuff. Um, And you can find us at podcastmovement.com. That's where everything podcasting is, all of our events, our daily newsletter we have. You mentioned the newsletters, uh, all free, lots of free uh, resources at podcastmovement.com as well. And, of course, I'm Todd Cochran. You can reach me at Todd at Blueberry.com. That's Blueberry without the E's because we couldn't afford the E's. And, of course, I'm on Twitter at, at Geek News. We want you to subscribe to the show or follow it at NewMediaShow.com. Rob? Yeah, uh, my name is Rob Greenlee. I can be found on Twitter as well, at Rob Greenlee, and that's with two E's. I have a website, uh, robgreenlee.com, and I can be reached uh, via email. If you have a question or a comment about the show, send it to robg at libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N, dot com. And we'd love to hear from you. And if you have any thoughts on the podcast today for I can help you get started podcasting, that would be a, a great opportunity as well. So. And obviously, if you're here at the show and you want to see Rob and I at our booth, we're out at uh, West in the West 5600, I think, uh, block of... Uh, uh, 8,000, 8, I think. You could say 8,000 block. I just for Blueberry or Libsyn. They'll find it. It's the 8,000 yeah. block. Yeah. But uh, again, we want to thank the NAB for allowing us to do the live show here. We definitely appreciate it. We'll be back with you on Tuesday for another edition for those of you watching the live stream. And uh, for those of you that have been here with us today, thanks for hanging out with us. We appreciate it. And we'll sign off the show from here. Everyone take care. We'll see you next time on the new media show. Thank Thank you. you. Bye.